Guys, the weather's getting warmer, so say goodbye to your jackets and sweaters and say hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe, so luckily I found Quince. And now I've got a beautiful lineup of timeless pieces that's going to keep me looking chic and fabulous year after year. I love their premium European linen dresses. You guys, this is what everybody's wearing. This is quiet luxury. I got these incredible blouses and shorts from $30. Also washable silk tops. Are you kidding me? You know I like my silk tops. So I got one in lavender and blue. I absolutely love them. You'll see them on the show. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and gives the savings to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash juicy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash juicy to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash juicy. Heather McDonald has got the juicy scoop. When you're on the road, when you're on the go, Juicy Scoop is the show to know. She talks Hollywood tales, her real life mister, segment serial data, and serial sister. You'll be addicted and addicted fast to the number one tabloid real life podcast. Listen in, listen up. Woo, woo. Heather McDonald. Juicy Scoop. Hello and welcome to Juicy Scoop. What a weekend. Well, first of all, Kanye got married. Yes, Kanye West is married. He got married to this very pretty girl that I guess worked for his company for a while. So people are like, he married his work wife. It was very quick. People don't know anything about the ceremony or anything. But the girl is in this one outfit that page six highlighted, she looked very much with her hair back and her big sunglasses, very much like Kim Kardashian at one time. So anyway, I, I, I get a lot of info from page six. I like them. And I said, and people were already comparing that she looked like Kim. And I think they chose a photo that was a very Kim Kardashian outfit for that reason. He certainly has a type. And um, in this case, marrying her, um, not Julia Fox, but this girl. And so I wrote, oh, it's, um, it's Kim before Ozempic. I am not body shaming this girl. I'm not body shaming Kim. I'm not body shaming anybody that chooses to take Ozempic, doesn't take it, takes a knockoff of it, wants to try it. It appears to be a miracle drug. A lot of people are on it. And I'm just stating the truth. So whatever. But thank you, Page Six. You chose a, a pretty photo of me. And then a lot of people said I was a bitch for saying it. So whatever. Who cares? Okay. Chris Harrison, the most dramatic podcast ever. It's a great name to his podcast. Chris Harrison, as you recall, was the host of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette for 19 years or 19, I think it's years, not seasons. Anyway, so I was listening to it today because I was really invested in the scandal. Let me remind you of the scandal because it's been now a couple of years. In the height of the 2020, you know, COVID, everything going on, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, all of that happening. Um, we were watching our first Black Bachelor, Matt James, fall in love with 
appeared to be a couple people, but this one girl, Rachel, she was appeared to be the one he liked the most. And she was a very pretty girl with dark hair, and she was Caucasian. She was white, okay? And and Matt is, his mom's white, his dad is black, okay? So we're watching it. It's a popular season. And Chris Harrison goes on Rachel Lindsay, who was a former bachelor. I don't know if she, she was the, she was the bachelorette. Okay, so she was, she went through as a, a one of the contestants on The Bachelor became The Bachelorette. She had a great show. She's interviewing. She's doing great. They talk, and she asks them about this controversy that that someone had discovered on TikTok that the other Rachel, who's in love with Matt James, that when she was a freshman in college, she went to a party, and she and the party was a frat party in which the guys invite the girls, and it was a Madame Antebella party, which is an era of time pre-Civil War, and you're to dress like that. Easiest way to say it, gone with the wind attire. So, of course, that's problematic because it's no one should be celebrating a time where, you know, Americans were enslaved. So, like, totally. But he comes on the on the thing and he starts to sort of defend her. She's, you know, a young girl. She's a nice girl. This is what I'm recalling. Okay. I don't want to go back and watch it. <laughs> but he is kind of saying that. And I always thought it's probably because he knows that final result is that they end up together. And he probably thinks he's being a great company guy in protecting this relationship. Because right now people are like, he should break up with this girl. How could she have gone to this party? Why didn't she research it? There's photos of her at this fraternity sorority party like this. And he was just sort of defending it. And in defending it, he like doubled down. It went on for really long. And he used like woke culture and stuff, which the only people that use the word woke are people that people think are actually not woke. So that, you know, so he he was they were coming for him. And and there you go. So it was it really didn't go away. And he thought he was going to be fine. And then they let him go. And then he, in his own words, like lawyered up. He got a. a you know, a nice big paycheck as he should. And now he's back with what everybody does when they get fired from TV, have a podcast. And he even joked about that. Like, I didn't want to be another loser. That's my word from the Bachelor franchise having a podcast on iHeart. But I am. And so anyway, so I listened. And, you know, he's very articulate. He's a really nice guy. He's engaged to his fiance, who's also a reporter, who actually reported, um, did a story on me once. She's very nice. They're a lovely couple. He has a, what I know is great relationship with his ex-wife, great relationship with his kids, all that. So I'm listening to it. And now I've listened. There's three episodes out. I listened to the first one. And the second one, I skipped over to the third. OK, the second one was with his fiance. But what I got from the first is he didn't explain what it was. He didn't explain why he did it. He just continued to profusely apologize forever, even doing, saying whatever he said, if he hurt anybody and da, da, da. And so that's where I'm just like, I want to know, how do you feel now that Matt James and this Rachel girl are, have this very popular Instagram, they're madly in love when at the time after he was fired, they did an After the Rose with another host and Matt James wouldn't even look at Rachel. Like he was like, I, the guy was like, could you give her a hug? And he was just like, no. And, you know, 
which now I kind of wonder, were they seeing each other the whole time? And if they were good, this is one of the few bachelor relationships that are still working. And I felt like, why aren't people talking more about that now? Like the fact that they're still together and, and the the fact that, that so many people in Bachelor Nation were not for this relationship working out based on his interview, based on the party she went to when she was 18, all of it. And, you know, now the two of them are just, you know, they've been like this for a year and a half. They're probably going to get engaged. I don't think they're engaged. I don't know. So then he also brought up everybody wanted my job. And I um, and basically, you know, every season I was like birthing another 30 people that are probably qualified to take my job being a host of this show. And so I guess people assumed he was talking about Nick Vial, which I had said even before Chris Harrison, you know, was asked to leave, um, that I'm like, they're even letting Nick do little portions where he's like, hey, guys, you know, as The Bachelor, he was like take doing spots that would normally be um, Chris Harrison. So he's like, no, he was delight. He was great. And I think it put him in a weird position because he was going to ask his girlfriend to marry him. So this weekend there was a, he did a huge video, great quality uh, video for his Instagram and everything, which why not? My God, if I could only get engaged or give birth today, the, the amount of likes and views I could get. Anyway, they got engaged, he, he and his girlfriend and He's crying and he looks, you know, nice and she's dropped in gorgeous. And anyway, so he's like, so I congratulated him. That's that. So that's my opinion. I would just like to really know, how do you feel now? Do you talk to Matt James and Rachel? Did Rachel ever say, my God, you didn't have to defend me. I can't believe you defended me and my dumbness at 18. And this was the result. Like you lost like who knows how much money. So I hope in the future, maybe he has her odd if if uh, Chris Harrison wants to come on my show and answer those questions, then I think we could get a real juicy, most dramatic episode ever. But good luck to him. I think he's a really nice guy. I think he's really talented. Hopefully he'll do other things. He did suggest. He said, I'm wait, I'm going to jump over to. OK, he did bring up that in case you guys didn't know, Amy and TJ of Good Morning America now they have both been officially released from their duties as co-hosts. And Chris Harrison said, I'm suggesting, Good Morning America, that I do a sit down with them and that you shouldn't let them go. And that, you know, and they are lawyering up. And he goes, and I have a great lawyer, because, of course, Good Morning America is ABC, who is very familiar with who you're going up against. And like, let me give you this referral and he's like, they absolutely should lawyer. And and I agree, like everybody should when you're in that position. Why not? Well, get your big chunk of money because, you know, until you and TJ do a podcast together, you're probably not going to get any more work. But my I what I think is going in a Good Morning America's head of why they have to let them go is not only were they both married having an affair, not only did TJ have an affair with another married female producer there. There's stories of him having infidelity in his first marriage. She's been married twice. He's been married twice. So they're both getting divorced for the second time. If they put them on together, if I was there, I'd be like, what's the chance that they're going to be together doing the show, get married and be happily 
faithful couple to each other, which is what Good Morning America needs for the next till they're 75 years old. What truly are the chances? So if we endorse this relationship that was sparked out of infidelity on our set and really endorse it, I don't think it's worth it for the morality of the people that watch our show. So even if they have to pay them five, $10 million each, they probably think it's worth it. That's just my opinion. Andrew Shu, I guess, ran into Amy on the street and we were lucky enough to get a photo of this. Thank you, page six. He had his little dog. Um, anyway, so they are leaving. Okay. Also on my weekend. So it was a rainy weekend here in LA. I knew it was going to rain all day Saturday. So I'm like, my girlfriend wanted to go shopping, go to the polo lounge. I go, I don't even want to deal with the rain, but I will go out Friday night. So I called my local girlfriend, Liz Roman. Okay. Liz Kilman Roman, been my friend since first grade and her sister, Rosie met Rosie when she was four. They live in the area. What are you guys doing? I look cute from the day because I'd done KTLA and I'd like to not waste these lashes because the rest of the weekend I plan on being a gross slob in my house. Okay. So she's like, oh, want to go to this antique thing. So we looked at these antique stuff, we got a little bite to eat. Now it's like six o'clock and she's, and I'm like, well, I think we should go somewhere else. I always like Joey's. Joey's is you know, closer to my house. It's in Woodland Hills. I've talked about Joey's all the time. I've gone to birthdays there. I like the vibe of it. You walk in. If there's any weight, you get a free glass of champagne. I I really like it. And they were like, no, where we have to go is Lovey's in Calabasas. And I'm like, isn't that like an old person like Deli? She's like, have you never been to the happy hour? There's an amazing happy hour. And you get this enormous, enormous chicken pot pie for a third of the price at the happy hour in the bar than you would pay in the deli part of the restaurant at the exact same time. Now, they'll probably have to cancel this situation because now I've revealed it. These are two girls that are a family of eight, Irish Catholic as well. So we all know a deal on a rainy day. And I'm like, well, you can't pass up that. <laughs> now, you guys must know what I woke up to on Saturday afternoon. <sighs> Britney Spears went to Joey's in Woodland Hills Friday night with Sam and her bodyguard. They, TMZ is reporting she had a manic episode. The video is, is not that much to say. I think she sat down. Of course, people are filming her. People think she is a juicy scooper. Me saying, why don't you go out? Why can't we see you? I don't blame people in this day and age to whip out their phone and just film her just to prove that she's out. She didn't like that. She lifted up her menu. And I can imagine that what that would be like, according to DMC, TMZ, who got it from the witnesses, Sam stormed out and left. And then she left as well. And the bodyguard came back and paid. So I don't know what they ordered. She then did a post of her dancing around in this outfit of her dancing and flipping off the camera. And she writes this long thing, which then was shortly shortly later removed. Now, where she's dancing, we've seen a lot of videos come from this spot. It looks very much like a hotel room. Well, the sleuths have done it. It looks to be this place in Maui that she often stays at. The carpet match, the, the closet doors match. So that tells me these are videos that she's done and danced and flipped off and stuff. 
And whether she put it on after Joey's or somebody else, it was she didn't fly to Maui to Maui after she left Joey's to do this video. Okay, there she has an arsenal of these things. But what she wrote, which I thought was really interesting, is she said she talks about the restaurant. It's funny. Somebody said I acted manic at a restaurant. Geez, all I can say is I was flattered. The waiter brought me a sophisticated champagne glass for my Red Bull. Now, I said they give you a free champagne when you walk in. So I don't really know. I'm fancy, y'all. Oh, well, I'm remodeling this remodeling, meaning modeling it again, this white dress because, well, it's kind of cool. I'm bored as hell. Anyway, so we know that this was shot some, you know, who knows when, months ago. Anyway, um, then she says, and I remember the transparent way the girl at my wedding danced her way to my man, putting her hands on his knee, then raising her hand to her neck with a heart. Guess it must be a new thing. I'd like to salute with my ass and my middle finger to this new thing and say, sup, S-U-P. P.S. Would it be appropriate for me to put it in her man's face on her day? Damn, I won't put my hand on his leg. I might be a cat and. So very, very strange. Um, (laughs) Now, there are a lot of conspiracy theories about Britney. A lot of people are really analyzing her wedding day video. They think it's a body double. They've gone by with AI. They've like done this thing where they're like, look at her face when you do this. I don't know. It's all this Photoshop stuff I've seen. They've analyzed interviews between um, Kathy Hilton, Paris Hilton, um, Drew Barrymore and Selena when they've been on talk shows. And the host has asked them about going to Britney's wedding, that they seem unsure of themselves in talking about it, that they seem hesitant are they there? Are they protecting her? Was she, in fact, not there? Did they have a body double have halfway through the time? Where is the marriage license? What is happening? Is she actually talking about the body double at her wedding? All conspiracy theories. Call me crazy. I'm telling you what's out there and how strange it all is. And the fact that my friends... Took me to Lovey's over Joey's. It was a really hard weekend. I put it on my Instagram. A lot of people are telling me I should dump these girls as friends, and I'm not going to. So they're like, you should have. Why didn't you put your foot? I don't know. I just imagine how I felt, you guys. Okay, then major juice happened in the sister wives world. My friend John Yates, who has a great YouTube channel, who covers a lot on 90 Day Fiance, a lot on Seeking Sister Wives and Sister Wives. He's a huge fan. He's watched every episode since it started. He um, got in contact with Peyton. Peyton is one of the older, the oldest son, the only son of Christine. Um, who's He's like in his 20s, looks just like Cody. And he did a three-hour live with John Yates about everything Sister Wives. And so I talked to John yesterday, and he offered to give me the cliff notes of the three hour. And I'm going to read them all to you. And then I'm going to tell you what I think. Guys, the weather's getting warmer. So say goodbye to your jackets and sweaters and say hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe. So luckily I found Quince. And now I've got a beautiful lineup of timeless pieces that's going to keep me looking chic and fabulous year after year. I love their premium European linen dresses. You guys, this is what everybody's wearing. This is quiet luxury. 
I got these incredible blouses and shorts from $30. Also washable silk tops. Are you kidding me? You know I like my silk tops. So I got one in lavender and blue. I absolutely love them. You'll see them on the show. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and gives the savings to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash juicy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash juicy to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash juicy. Um, here we go. Payton feels like Robin made no sacrifices when she married Cody. She married a man who was becoming wealthy and moved from a place she didn't like. Robin cries all the time, but Peyton has only seen tears once. Peyton hasn't seen Robin in a long time. The sister's wife closet, to no one's surprise, is defunct and pretty much. That's where they were selling their clothes, I don't know, five seasons ago. As seen on the show, Cody tried to kick Janelle's oldest sons out of the house due to COVID rules. Dayton, who's Robin's oldest son, is in the RV outside of her house, possibly because of COVID rules. Peyton has suffered with depression off and on since the family moved from Vegas. For two weeks, Cody wanted Peyton to go to work and come straight home and stay in his room the rest of the night. But because of his history with depression, he just couldn't isolate like that because of the COVID rules that he was so strict about. Cody's COVID rules are more stringent than the military. Dayton, Robin's oldest son, was happy to go away to college in Arizona, but Robin couldn't let go. And that is why the whole family was uprooted from Vegas cul-de-sac to Arizona. This is all according to Peyton, all his opinion, all allegedly. Cody was at Robin's house most of the time, even in Vegas, because the two youngest kids needed him before the COVID rules. He had already begun to neglect the other kids. Peyton had a good relationship with his dad up until about age 12. Cody has a view of what his children should be, and because they don't measure up, he expresses his disappointment. Christine asked Peyton to leave when he was turning 18, so he left, but that part was confusing because he then turned around and said their dad didn't kick them out. Um, Oh, in the interview, he said their dad didn't kick them out, but that Christine did ask him to leave. Garrison and Gabe, those are the older boys that belong to Janelle and Cody. As shown on the show, were alienated from their dad because they were disrespectful to Robin and Cody and tried to get Janelle to kick them out. They believe Cody tried to get Janelle to kick them out. Peyton said he is the gay best friend who isn't gay because women love him but always friend zone him. Cody was cutting off family members that he felt weren't respecting him and his rules, both COVID and otherwise. Peyton realized his mom was unhappy in her marriage years ago when McKelty pointed it out. Mary, the first wife, is was the favorite wife for years before certain things happened, and then Robin became the favorite wife. Peyton said his dad was a good, safe person for the kids until after Cody's brother Curtis died, and he changed when Peyton was between 12 and 15 in Vegas before the cul-de-sac. It was something to do with maybe something Robin said. So they're saying he ch- that his dad changed because he was grieving. There is a schism, I don't really know what that means, between all the wives' kids and Robin's kids because Cody refers to them as your kids and his, but it's his kids with Robin. I do notice that. That's weird. Cody wasn't as concerned with truly 
which is the youngest girl of Christine, getting sick as he was with Robin's little kids getting sick. So Peyton didn't feel the age of the kids was why he was concerned as much as the mother of the kids. Leon. Now, Leon is Mary's only daughter, Mariah, who is tran has transitioned to becoming Leon. Leon and Peyton don't have a relationship, and Peyton felt like Leon was jealous because right before the wedding that of his the brother Logan, it came out that Peyton works at a strip club and it stole Leon's thunder about being trans. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. I don't think any of the kids seem thirsty, but whatever. Cody gets on seven-year kicks, meaning they move every seven years. None of the kids had any of their vaccinations growing up. Interesting. Cody works at home and Robin is a stay-at-home mom and they have a nanny housekeeper. Both Peyton and Christine have what what does the nanny do t-shirts. Remember that what Christine kept saying, what does the nanny do? Robin is a bit of a hoarder, compulsive shopper, and they usually have shopping bags with new things she has bought lining the floors until all the help and the nanny clean it up once a week. His grandfather had 10 children, and when Cody got back from his Mormon mission, he found out his grandfather was becoming a polygamist, and then he married a few more times. When Cody was courting Janelle, his grandfather married Janelle's mom, I think. It was Grandpa Mary married the grandma, which was the polygamy. Mary was not nice to the kids, wife number one. Abrasive was not a strong enough word for the way Mary was around the kids. Now, this is the part that People Magazine and everyone picked up. They weren't safe with Mary. He said Robin probably saved several lives when she recognized the warning signs in Mary's relationship with the kids. His dad said him wearing the nanny t-shirt and texted him that, that at least the nanny was respectful. So he didn't like him wearing that nanny t-shirt. What does the nanny do? He went about eight months without talking to Peyton, Cody did, but one day he called him out of the blue. Peyton was really happy until his mom told him, until his mom told him um, that he, that she had a fight with Cody on that day about Cody's attempt to put legal strongholds on the kids as far as what the adult kids say about the family. So that's why he was reaching out. He was trying to put like gag orders on them, according to this interview. Robin asked Logan, the oldest boy, before Robin and Cody were married to do something and he refused. And that was the only time Peyton felt like Robin was really disrespectful outside of normal kids things. So that there's so much juice here. The biggest thing is that there were times where Christine would say, I didn't feel safe with Mary. I didn't feel safe. And I thought they were talking about the way real housewives say, I don't feel safe with you. And the way real housewives say, I don't feel safe with you, I interpreted that I don't feel safe being in a scene with you, that you're not going to pull out some bullshit to ruin my life on camera that I then have to defend a rumor, something I told you in secret. I don't feel safe with you. Now I know that what when Christine and pe when Christine said I don't feel safe with Mary, now I think it refers to either her verbal abuse of the kids or possibly some physical abuse or discipline. There is a scene in which Mary asked Cody and Robin, "Can I take 4-year-old Solomon, which is Cody and Robin's son, with me to Utah?" 
And they were very uncomfortable. I just rewatched the scene and they were like, no, I just think he's being weird. And she's like, well, ever? And they're like, well, maybe. And she gets really mad and she goes out and slams the door. One thing I didn't understand during all the COVID rules when they hired this nanny is Mary is following the COVID rules. She's all by herself in this big, giant house. She wants to be around the kids. Why don't they let her be around the kids more? Makes me think that in all those years that Christine was watching all of she and Janelle's 12 kids together, along with Mariah, maybe, were there times when they did arrange it the way that Janelle would go work outside home and Christine would be the main mom caregiver because they couldn't trust Mary in stressful situations with the kids. I don't know. It's very uh, Mary's doing a bunch of lies for her LuLaRue and she's goes off on people and is like yelling at anyone that like says anything about her clothing or herself. And it's pretty entertaining. Um, I really don't know what's going to happen with the show. There's this other uh TikTok account that's been counted that has like uh, masked voices. People think it's the older um, brown kids answering all these questions. And one thing that they dealt into was the different laws between Arizona, Utah and Nevada and how they differentiate with how much kids can work in entertainment um, and how many hours and how old they are. And I, I believe none of these kids ever got paid to be on the show. Only the parents did. And then it, I guess if they want to be on it when they're older, they could negotiate their own deal. I know Real Housewife kids do that. Or they just sign, you know, a release. Or maybe that's why they aren't featured that much now that they're adults. Um, so I, I really think TLC is like kind of shaking in their boots. I don't know what is going to happen to the show. I know they're filming it. Now all three women have said, I'm no longer with Cody, Mary Janelle, and Christine. So do we follow them all? I think it's worth it. I think this is the realest reality show I've ever seen. Um, you know, but I notice now Christine is doing like, now I dance, dance, dance. And she's starting to do, she's starting to get a little housewivey with her TikToks. And so I don't know if she's going to be the realest of the real. I don't know if we're going to believe when TLC brings some, you know, rancher 50-year-old man to take her on a date that that's not, you know, from central casting. I don't know. But I certainly want to watch it. I don't know if they'll be searching for other wives. I also wouldn't be surprised if the whole thing went away. I don't want it to, but I wouldn't be surprised if after this next season it goes away because this is all just like too messy. And I think there might be some regrets on spilling the beans with these kids. But I love that they did. And if you want to watch the entire thing, go to John Yates's YouTube and watch it. So a little follow-up on the sad story about the missing mom of three little boys out of Massachusetts that I talked about. As you know, the husband has been arrested uh, for not cooperating with police, but now we know he had said, and I believe his attorney had said, he was the one to let police know that his wife was missing, that she left to go on a work trip um, late on New Year's Eve and hadn't seen or hadn't been seen since New Year's Day. Now we know that actually it was her employer. They checked the logs of the police that called and they were the ones that called the police and said, can you do a wellness check on our associate, Anna, who we have not heard from, which they did a couple days after the husband said she was last seen. Because, of course, he said she went um, to take care of her work in emergency and she was supposed to leave on the 3rd, but she actually left on the 1st. 
And now I haven't heard from her. No, he never let the police know. The employer let him know. Since they also what they have found, this is not good for this husband. They um, they don't know how she went missing, but they did find blood in the family's basement and a blood-stained damaged knife. They also discovered a hacksaw, a hatchet, blood, used cleaning supplies, and a rug at a trash transfer station in Peabody, a little more than an hour away from the couple's home that I assume was their rug. Um, he also allegedly, Brian, allegedly searched for how to dispose of a 115-pound woman's body online. And she was 115 pounds. So sad. Um, I have looked, uh, I talked about this on my Patreon, Juicy Crimes with Shannon, but I went to her Instagram and it was kind of an interesting Instagram in that I don't think she featured any photo of him in like the last year and a half. Now, she didn't post a lot, but she posted somewhat normally, um, you know, a few, definitely a few times a month. Most of the photos in the last year and a half were selfies, her in like a cute little short skirt business outfit, traveling for work. Occasionally, photos of her three little boys, um, but a lot of just like in the mirror, here's my outfit for today, sometimes laughing with like, I have the best team that I work with. And the only one that she featured of the husband, what like I said, was a while back with, with, with one other child and she's blowing out candles and she's like, all I want for my birthday is family, but nothing, you know, celebrating his birthday or you know, their relationship or anything for quite a while. And and there was a past um, domestic violence report, but then she wasn't cooperative in going forward with it. And so I really think, in my opinion, that she was preparing to leave this relationship and was, you know, feeling confident in her career and, of course, he was already arrested for trying to sell fake Andy Warhol. So that was a whole nother case he was dealing with, which, you know, is a turnoff, I'm sure, to her. And just I think just kind of getting her ducks in a row. And so I my assessment is something tragic happened that night. Some arguments, some coming to of like, it's the end of the year. I'm not doing another year like this, dude. Like, I'm done. And some something happened where he then did something very fatal to her. So that also, um, this was kind of also interesting from the New York Post. I guess she approached one of her renters. She and the husband had a rental property and she announced to these renters who then gave a, a interview to the Boston Globe or something saying, we're going to, we're going to have to sell this place. And of course the people were like, wait, what? Like we're good, you know, renters. Why? And they said that she freaked out and had like just freaked out on them. And it was very different than anything that ever seen. And this happened just shortly before she went missing. So they said like her behavior was like erratic. I don't know what that really means. I think it means more that she was telling them that they were, that they were going to sell a property that maybe the two of them owned together. Like I said, kind of getting her things in order of like, we're not going to be together anymore. And one part that, that I'm going to start is... I'm going to tell my renters they need to leave because I want to just sell this property and split that profit. 
Oh, anyway, very sad, but he is in custody. So um, also juicy story. This is a crazy story out of a small police department in Tennessee. Um, there is this female cop who told people, apparently, that she had an open marriage. And in that open marriage, this story is so crazy. It involves so many different cops. It is it was like, what in the Jerry Springer Police Department hell <laughs> is going on? Uh, she is given BJs. She is in a jacuzzi with a bunch of cops, many of them, most of them being married. Her top's coming off. She's getting with certain cops while they're on duty. Another cop, they went to a go-kart place together and then a hotel, but I don't know if that was while they were on duty. Uh, another one involved a threesome with one of the cops she was having an affair with and his wife. And then another one where a cop that she was having relations with, sexual relationships, that guy's wife found out about it and beat him up. And anyway, in the end, um, she she and eight off eight officers were disciplined. Five were fired. And I guess three are left. And I don't know. I'm sure she'll start an OnlyFans soon. Um, oh, by the way, Catherine Dennis did start an OnlyFans. I don't know if you saw, but I made a little reel out of it because I love when a prediction came true. Catherine Dennis of Southern Charm has started her OnlyFans. And I assume so will this girl. I don't know. Then there was some, another report that she had suffered from some mental disorders and stuff. So that would make sense. However, the husband's sticking by her. So... Anyway, they're going to be hiring soon in this police department because they lost like half of their department because they were all like boning. Now, all I'm thinking about is what if this went down at the Moscow, Idaho police department? Thank God. I mean, what if these people really were like in the middle of a massive murder investigation and this like boning and everything was going on? Well, maybe it wasn't because they didn't have much going on. I don't know. But thank God it wasn't happening there because those that police department did a very good job. But my God, it really is just like I guess this is like, you know, make love, not war. And people should be happy that cops were boning and not doing anything else. Um, OK, Shannon Bador of Real Houses of O.C. is divorced and she's been dating this guy, John Jansen, for quite a while now, like a year, year and a half came out through People Magazine that they broke up seven days after they finished filming the season. We don't know when The Real House of O.C. is coming out. We don't have any trailer. We don't even know really what the season is about, except that Tamara's back, and I think Vicky comes back halfway through or something. Vicky, being a supportive friend, I assume that's what she's trying to be, either commented or something, page six picked it up, that Vicky... Whoops. Sorry. That Vicky said um, that Shannon Bedore's narcissist ex-boyfriend, John Jansen, um, and then the Real Housewives of OC star Savage Remarks spotted on a Bravo fan account. So she made a little comment under and then they wrote about it. Now, I, I met John on several occasions. He seemed very into Shannon. They seemed like a great match. Okay. Apparently, he said to People Magazine, um, 
we I didn't break up with her while we were filming because I thought that would be humiliating. So I waited till we were done filming to break up with her. But then in turn, she was like, well, if you felt that way, I wish you had now. A, I'm thinking we would have had a really good juicy season and some good trailers to watch. But therefore, I was blindsided. So I was blindsided because I thought everything was fine is what she's saying. I mean, I don't know what Vicky's thinking. If she's thinking that her Steve Lodge, brother of Roger Lodge, if Steve Lodge and, and John Jansen are such opportunistic men that they were like, you know what, let's date these women that are on a reality show because we both love Bravo. Let's date them. Then let's dump them. And then you and I have our own show called Bosom Buddies. And it's about two. I mean, obviously, (laughs) Steve Lodge already married another girl. But like, what is she? No, I don't think any of these guys are dating reality stars to they I think there's a thing I think there's certain guys that date reality stars or date tv stars and they they enjoy the fun of going out at night and instead of just the two of them talking to each other a group of people send them some drinks some other girls are kind of buzzed and gushing they get photos they talk about what they love about them they talk about how they also hate the person that they hate on the show and then they've had a few drinks and they're like oh my god let me tell you what really was happening in that scene and the night is just like a way more fun night than if the two of you went out to dinner in the OC and weren't famous now that doesn't make a guy a narcissist that makes a guy like pretty easy pretty outgoing ready to go with the flow but you wonder now like why it is hard for the Ramona singers of the world to find guys that want to date them because of exactly this, you know, like exactly this when they if it God forbid it doesn't last forever. If they break up with them, then you've got all these angry Real Housewife fans that are going to find your social media and write nasty things to you because they are fans of Shannon Bedore's or fans of Vicky's or whatever. So I'm just saying. This is going to be it's just going to make it harder for single real housewives to find guys to date. That's that's my prediction. But you know what? Hopefully Shannon finds someone. He he's already been on another date with someone else, a quiet woman. People thought that was real bad that he went to quiet woman. Well, you know what? He lives there. He lives there. He, he likes that place. Is he never supposed to go out? He didn't choose to be on the show. He chose to date a girl who was on the show and he agreed to be on camera, which oftentimes, uh, you know, where's Erica Jane's all her, you know, big dicks? Oh, I've got fresh dick, hard dick, dick around the corner. Where are all those guys? They're not agreeing to be on camera. We, We don't get to see that. So I'm just saying, like, maybe, you know, if you're one of those people that are like, angry that you know your favorite reality star's boyfriend like supposedly broke up with her which we don't really know they could have been mutually goodbye and then kind of in retrospect now kind of telling a really sad story like there's only so many 55 year old men around to go okay and a lot of our real housewives are divorced and would like them so Let's not ruin it for everybody and go attack them once it doesn't work out and they don't get married. All right.
Speaking of which, I follow this girl, Nicole James. You're probably like, who is that? Well, she was on Real Housewives of OC for the first few episodes, and then she left the show. I don't even know if this was. I think this was the last season. Then she was last. Okay. And Shanna Bedore remembered that she had gotten a boob job from Terry Dubrow and apparently wasn't happy, filed a lawsuit, and it was settled. Unbeknownst to us, it was settled. She then gets put on the show. Heather Dubro doesn't know because her husband's done a million plastic surgeries. And that's part of the deal. Some people aren't happy. Sometimes you settle. Sometimes you sue back. I don't know. Anyway, it all gets revealed on camera. And that's where all the rumors happen. Did Heather Dubro hit the camera? Was she rude to the staff? Whatever. The Nicole James left the show. She some I don't know. If she got out of it, I don't know if she was ever a real housewife. I don't know if she didn't get vaccinated or say she didn't get vaccinated to get off of it. I don't know what how she got out of it, but she got out of it. Noella is also off the show now, and she did the whole season, but she was getting divorced from Sweet James Brown, who is, is that his name? His name's not Brown, is it? It's just Sweet James. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet James is a big personal a personal injury attorney from like Vegas to I don't know all over California. Billboards everywhere. That is her ex-husband. They got divorced. Anyway, Nicole James posted, "Our podcast is coming soon. Make sure to follow us up for update." I'm like, "Who's it with?" And then she tagged Noella. So, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, okay? They're going to put out their podcast and it's going to be like, wow, are you ready to spill it? Yeah, I think we really are. This is crazy. And then Noella will talk a little bit about what happened that night with Heather Dubrow. And they'll say some stuff that we probably have heard in a million interviews, but they'll be telling it themselves. And very few people even know that this podcast came out. But then All About the Truth, the reality blurb, will listen and they'll write an article about it. And then someone will send that to Heather DeBro, and then she'll read it, and then she'll get her attorneys on it, and then they'll get a cease and desist. And then the next week, they'll come back, and they'll be like, so many of you are wondering where last week's episode went. And we, (laughs) (laughs) Um, unfortunately, the powers that be uh, have uh, advised us that we take it down. And but you know what? That's not what our whole show's about, is it? No, we're two single girls in the OC dating. And so then we'll get a couple episodes of them dating. They'll bring on their friend. They'll bring on their Pilates girl. And then they'll take a break um, for like a week or two. And then they'll come back and do one more. And then we'll never hear from them again. That's just my prediction. I'm not wishing it. it and if, if this is what you're thinking of, you could also now hear my prediction and say, let's not have this happen. But that's the minute I saw this, I just I just saw I just saw the 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 way that it will go. Um, Jen Shaw, not only is she doing the six and a half years, but they said after that, you're going to have to do how many months in a mental facility like or mental. She's going to be have to do mental health rehab after she gets out of jail after six and a half years. So a lot of the comments are like, well, why isn't she getting that kind of mental health in prison? 
A lot of people are like, that's not what prison is. She's doing retribution. They're like, at 50 cents an hour, she's supposed to make up the $6 million. I don't know, but that's what she has to look forward to. So who knows what she'll be like six years from now without being on TV and being totally humbled. I mean, I can't even imagine what a different person she will be. And that's so weird. Like, what if you come out after six and a half years and you really are like, really got your shit together, you're, you know, reading the Bible, you're doing yoga, you're helping some other people in the group, like you're just like completely stripped down, humbled, just totally normal and not a crazy bipolar reality star, narcissist or whatever people perceived her to be. Like, then you still have to go or can you be like, now can I just go home to, you know, the Shaw Chalet or whatever? I don't know. All right, you guys, I am excited because I have returned guest Holly Madison here, and we're going to talk all about her new really juicy show. Hello, and welcome to Juicy Scoop. I have, I think now, third time returning guest, yeah. Holly Madison, uh, who has got so much going on, but you know her best from The Girls Next Door, now her hit podcast, Girls Next Level, that she does with her good friend and co-star, Bridget, and now... I'm really impressed you're kind of entering this whole world of hosting juicy stuff, which Thank you've you. got the Playboy Murders on the ID network, which I love, starting Monday, January 23rd. So when I saw this, I'm like, oh, I got to get you on and talk all about this. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited because this is the first show I've been a part of that I think I would actually watch. Like not hating on my other shows. I just don't usually watch like that light kind of reality show type stuff. That was yeah. kind of like an accident, me ending up on there. Right. So I, yeah, I was approached to do this show. And when I heard the title, I was like, no, too much Playboy stuff. Like I can't take another thing. But they showed me the cases they wanted to cover. And I was so surprised because I thought I knew everything about Playboy history and what happened to all the Playmates. And there were so many cases I hadn't even heard of. And I was like, wow, this is something I would watch. So I jumped on board and it's been an amazing experience. Yes. So I want to. Yeah, I feel like I know everything about Playboy, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I was absolutely obsessed with um, Star 80. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the most famous because yeah. it's really the most like tragic. And she was already becoming such a star. Yeah. And just to give people a little bit of the story, it was Dorothy Stratton mm -hmm. was her name. And she came over. Um, she was just like a girl at a Dairy Queen in Canada. And this kind of kind of two bit like hustler kind of a guy like love bombed her and was like, you could be a playmate and sent in the photos. And she came over here and she really was just so naturally stunning and beautiful and kind of had a real girl next door appeal yeah. and then started to, you know, have a lot of popular became um, she Playmate was made of the year, Playmate yeah. of the year. She got movie roles. And then All they the were things. like, you have got to get rid of this weird creeper husband of yours. Mm -hmm. Like, he's awful. And what's interesting about him is that. He had a, a big part in trying to get Chippendales started. Yeah, it was his idea. Isn't yeah. that crazy? And he got the idea to put cuffs and collars on the dancers for Chippendales from the Playboy Bunnies. Right. And yeah. then they kind of screwed him out of the fact that it was his idea because it, it was easy to screw him out of it. Yeah. So he was just already like so angry that he wasn't like a Hugh Hefner that he mm -hmm. went, and he could tell that she is 
trying to get away from him. And then very tragically, you know, he lost his his mind and murdered her and killed himself. And so we know that story. And then, of course, we saw you in the documentary Mm -hmm. that is just still people are talking about how. Yeah, I I had nightmares. Like I always say, every night after I watched an episode, hearing other people's stories. And so so when you'd watch it at Mm -hmm. night, what was the name of it? The The Secrets of Playboy. Secrets of Mm -hmm. Playboy. And that was on what network? A&E. A&E. When that's so interesting, because I I think a lot of first of all, if you do dream a lot, certain people don't Mm -hmm. dream. I dream a lot. I kind of had weird dreams last night and then I wake up and I'm like, why did I dream such a weird thing? And then I remember, oh, at, you know, like around three o'clock, I saw this. And then right before I went to bed, I saw this. And so when you when you talked about having these nightmares, so you would watch the episode because it was every week it would come out. And like what kind of you'd have would you have dreams that you were back at the house or what yeah would you have? Oh. it would always be the same nightmare that I would wake up and find myself back in the mansion back in that relationship but inside I'm me knowing everything I know now and <sighs> my first thought was how the fuck do I get out of here it's so scary that is so interesting because yeah. like a weird reoccurring nightmare I've had my whole life and uh-huh. it's a very common one is that I'm back in high school But I'm, again, me. I'm, like, old. I've already graduated from college. And while I'm in the high school, I'm, like, I don't have to take this test. Like, I already have a career and I already graduated. And it's weird. And it'll come when, A, I'm stressed or even now with my kids. If my kids Mm -hmm. are, like, getting ready for finals or something, like, I I absorb their stress. Yeah. And I'm, like, I can't. So that's so interesting that, like, that you'd have a dream that you're back you really are like down the rabbit hole. You yeah, really no, are Alice, freaky. like your first book. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's scary. Every night I watched an episode, I would have that nightmare. So, oh my god. <laughs> so, what are some stories that we're going to see um, and that you're going to walk us through as the host? Well, there are six different stories. They're all very different. One of them, actually, the murderer was just sentenced a few days ago. She was sentenced to at least I forget what the time frame was, but it was at least ten years. It was a she who killed? Yeah, she was a Playboy model, and she killed a gentleman who, I don't know the exact nature of the relationship, but he was paying her bills, and she was extorting him, and he ended up murdered. It was her and her two roommates were involved. I'm not sure who exactly did what. I think that's still to be determined, but she was just sentenced, yeah. So it's very current. Oh, so, I mean, it's not just the girl's kidding yeah i know it's every story is so different that's what's fascinating about it yeah and then do you cover that other now i'm not sure if she was a play well tell go go through a couple more without killing you know without telling us everything what are some other ones uh well the first episode um that really hit home for me a lot was about a woman named jasmine fior and what hit home so much for me about that was she started coming to mansion parties like right after I had left. And I know some close friends of mine had some, you know, deep conversations with her about relationships and knew her well. And, you know, she was also somebody who spent a lot of time in Vegas. She lived there part time. So that's something I can relate to. And, you know, her story is really frightening. It was another abusive relationship story. Um, There was a story about a woman. Was she the one? She's the one who was with her boyfriend in San Diego, right? Yeah, they were in San Diego. They were in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she went 
Never missing, came home. Yeah. Never came home from the San Diego. Yeah, he was the one who called the police and reported her missing. Yes. And then somebody found her. And then there, was, there's, there were evidence of uh, surveillance and of him doing very suspicious stuff, like leaving the hotel. I remember, kind of remember the story, like where you where you know, the suitcase and like yeah. all this kind of stuff. And um, yeah, you know, it's just it's it is an interesting tie because it's like, yeah, it's the it's the kind of girls that um, not only are really beautiful, but mm-hmm. wanting to have kind of that flashy life or get into acting and modeling. And in doing that, you know, you're so susceptible to meeting people that say they can help you. Yeah. And also sometimes I think, you know, having been in Playboy, sometimes you'll meet the type of guy who like wants a Playboy model on his arm, but then he gets really jealous and wants to like turn that around on the woman. And, you know, being somebody who's been in different types of abusive relationships, I like to try and tell the story and try and bring some humanity to the victim because I think there's so many people out there who don't understand why people stay as long as they do or why they would ever try to make a relationship work. And I like to talk about those things and kind of try and bring some perspective to it. And why do you think why do you think when a girl is in that position that she can't see that she's I mean, you know, for one thing, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just hard because yeah. you do love the person. This is mm-hmm. where you live. You know, you, there is something coming up and you don't want to have the person. Come, and then there's the other part of like that you are really scared of them. But like, what is what are your thoughts on like why someone talks themselves into not being like, this is it. and I don't care how hard it is to leave. Yeah. I mean, it's different for different situations. There could be reasons people feel attached, whether it's kids or whether it's a financial situation. But I think the overarching theme that applies to a lot of people is they're in a relationship with another human and it started out really good. You know, they were probably being love bombed and swept off their feet in the beginning. And then one bad thing happens and you can tend to write it off or brush it off and say, well, that's not really who they are and it's getting better and we're just working through things. And when you're in the relationship, it's hard to see it in the same way that an outsider would see it. And I think that's another interesting topic, too, and one I don't even have the answer for is when you have a friend who's in one of these abusive relationships, how do you help them? Because like bringing it back to the Dorothy Stratton story, you know, it seemed like everybody who talks about her and everybody who knew her saw the issues with her husband or her ex-husband at the time. And, you know, he was banned from the mansion. You know, people were trying to talk her out of ever seeing him again, but it didn't work. And it's a really hard thing because you always want to do the most as a friend. And I don't even know what the answer to that question is or how you can help as best you can as a friend. I mean, from my perspective, I would say just always be non-judgmental when you're talking to your friends and always offer them an ear and tell them that they have a place to go and that they'll always have your support. Because I think a lot of people are afraid to talk to their friends because they're afraid of being judged possibly for staying in the relationship. Or sometimes there's a lot of shame with, oh, well, I put up with so much so far that you don't even want to admit to it. Yeah, I th- I also think with girlfriends and stuff, the hard part is... um. Sometimes a girlfriend feels like, oh, my God, you know, I've stayed up with you all night. I've Mm -hmm. done all this, you know, and you're still there. Yeah. And and then so what's bad about that is then the friend then stop sharing Mm -hmm. because they've chosen to stay. And by by not sharing now, she's really in a in in trouble because if something goes wrong, she's going to be too embarrassed to then come back. I think the same thing goes with parents who don't really approve of their 
child's partner, especially mm-hmm. when their child is a girl with a with a guy, because just physically they're in a more vulnerable position. Yeah. And I think the the way you know you always just have to be like, whatever happens, you know, I'm always here for you. And by mm-hmm. not like being like he's a piece of trash, I told yeah. you not to be with him. That's when they just real then then the alienation that often happens with the abusive guy where mm-hmm. he doesn't want you why would you want to be with them they hate me so it's like yeah. even if you like kind of don't like your daughter or best friend's spouse or boyfriend i always sort of pretended like i did like yeah, especially just, in their presence just yeah, so they, then it can start a bigger problem for yeah. the, your friend yeah. yeah i think it's so important to express you know no matter how many times you've heard it and no matter how frustrating it might be if your friend isn't making that change to always express that you're not judgmental and you're always going to be there and you're always there to listen. Yeah. You know, because then it just turns worse. Yeah. You just don't want them to feel like they can't. They Now they can't Mm -hmm. count on you. So you have to be like, but it also can be very, you know, daunting for the friend that feels like they're the dumped on drama one. Yeah. And so it's like in also in, in doing that, like you have to also protect yourself and not get so sucked up into the 3 a.m. calls and talk for an hour and a half and then, you know, then be like, oh, my God, you know, look what she's doing. Um, There is a new movie out that Uh I think you would really like that we just saw the preview. What is it called? April Darling? Oh, Alice Darling. It's with with Anna Kendrick. Mm -hmm. And we just saw a trailer for it. And it's kind of like a, a more of a subtle um, psychological abuse that someone might find with their partner Ooh, in that creepy. she's got these girlfriends yeah, and the girls are like to Anna Kendrick so it's my birthday we're all we got a lake house we're all gonna go up to Northern California this week mm-hmm. and so you can come right and she's like yeah and then she's figuring out how she is going to tell her boyfriend or significant oh my God, other. I can relate to that so bad. Not now, but like in the past. Yeah. So she's like practicing it mm-hmm. and tr- kind of saying like it's a work thing. Oh, you remember I told you about that thing. Well, it did come up. So now I have to go. And because she just doesn't want to get the shit from him. Yeah. But then she also knows. And then the girlfriends are like kind of onto it. They're like, what do you mean you're leaving? And. You know, and said, so, you know, it's just a trailer. But how do you feel like you just said you could relate to that of just like wanting to do something and knowing that it was going to be an issue to ask? Oh, well, living at the mansion, that was a constant. Like there yeah. were so many strict rules as far as like you have to be in at nine o'clock. You can't ever really go anywhere. You can't travel. So just the feeling of I'm always going to get in trouble. And because there were so many girlfriends and at the time at a certain time there were seven and we didn't all get along and we were kind of played off each other like it was a competition. You always felt like you're walking on eggshells and you don't want to ask for too much, even if it's the basic things. And, you know, sometimes we would want to go to like a playmate's wedding or something and I'd get shut down because, you know, he wouldn't want me going to the reception or something stupid like that. So you would so they'd be like, he'd be like, you can go to the ceremony, but then you cannot go to the reception. Yeah. When he heard me refer to the reception as a party, he freaked out and shut it down. <laughs> and this was like a playmate that he, we were all really close to that he knew like it shouldn't have been a thing. It was so stupid. And so <laughs> then it was really I mean, also, isn't that interesting to be in a relationship where you're feeling like, you know, like. I've been at a job where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, God, I got to ask for this day off. And you keep going through it and you talk. Well, if I say this, if I say that it's a slight lie, but like to think that you are doing that 
with someone who's supposed to be like your supporter. Yeah, yeah no way. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and that also that they like I'm with a bunch of girls in a like according to this movie. I'm with a bunch of girls in a lake house. It's not yeah, exactly. Vegas. It's not this crazy thing. I'm not on a yacht with a bunch of like, you know, rich Saudi Arabian mm-hmm. men. Like it is such an innocent thing. But the man is so like insecure of you being around anybody other than themselves because they have taken such efforts to manipulate you that they know if you get out of their manipulation for any period of time, you might be like, oh, wow, the real world. Yeah. (laughs) Take me back. (laughs) Is it interesting? Because it's like, you know, every day there's like a new cult thing that I see on on Netflix and all the other shows. And is it just crazy when you watch those, when you see the similarities? Yeah, there's definite parallels, like being isolated from your friends and family, being in an environment where everybody in that environment kind of looks to one person like they're this semi-godlike figure. It's crazy. Yeah. And also the pitting against. Yeah. Pitting the girls against each other. That was a big one. And do you think that was always his intention? Because he didn't always have seven girlfriends. Mm-hmm. I think for him, it was just this kind of evolution with this insecurity. You know, he got out of a marriage and he was dating three women and then they left and then he was dating seven women. And I think he started to notice that none of them were really lasting very long. So then it became, OK, how can I manipulate to get what I want out of the situation and get them to stay as long as possible? And, you know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And I do think so often when it is your actual living situation, like, you know, one of the things I was looking at back at the last episode you guys did is just how you said, um, you know, I was in it. I was kind of like I was hanging out at the mansion all the time. And so I was familiar with that. These girls got to live there. And I actually was in a place, a financial place Mm -hmm. and, and needing a place to live. And I think that is such a a thing that people don't really understand. Like, and then if you were to have left and gone back home, then any progress you made in your dreams of wanting to model and, and act and be in entertainment are gone. Yeah. And plus, I was always very aware that once I left the mansion, even before the reality show, I knew that the one thing everybody would always know about me was that I lived at the Playboy Mansion. So it's almost like you're going back, but not even where you started. It's almost like you're set back a little bit because you have this reputation. So that was a big fear for me, too. Right. And then just like the whole thing of like, well, I don't think there's a lot of sympathy No, (laughs) because, you know, obviously you're with this older guy, you're getting all these perks, you know. So I think that was, you know, a big a big deal of like not being sympathetic to women in your position, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, so tell me a couple. Tell me about another one that you guys feature. Um, Which ones haven't I talked about? We've talked about the Dorothy Stratton and the Jasmine. Yeah. Another one that. I thought was a really sad case was there was a woman in the early 90s who was a playmate of the month. She was married. Her husband was super supportive. She was like on track to become playmate. Wait, of the was year. she married while she became the, the playmate of the mm-hmm. month? Yeah. Isn't that quite unusual? It is very unusual. Yeah. yeah. And she had a pageant title. She was Mrs. Ohio. Okay. And Playboy always liked it when they could get like a pageant girl because that was really unusual. Right. And that's a little like cleaner cut. Yeah, kind of exactly. Like, yeah. And somebody who was already like ordained by somebody else as being like really beautiful. So they were really excited about that. She was on track to become Playmate of the Year. 
And I was really surprised to learn this is back in the early 90s, they had a 1-900 number that people could call to vote for who they thought should be Playmate of the Year. But also they had the Playmates talking to men over the 1-900 number, which to me, that was shocking. It seemed so off brand. Like there's nothing wrong with talking to people over a 1-900 number if that's what you want to do. But it just didn't seem very on brand to me. And they would have the Playmates talking to these men over a 1-900 number. And the way this woman's husband got killed was by an obsessed stalker who would call this one playmate all the time. He racked up like $15,000 in 1991 money calling this number. And, and I he, wonder how much she was even getting paid. I know. Probably I'm really such a small portion. Yeah. yeah. I would assume so. And he found her location through the 1-900 number and ended up killing her husband. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then Playboy just kind of cut ties with her. Like, she didn't get Playmate of the Year. It was just kind of, like, left on her own. Right, because it's such a bad PR mm -hmm. situation. I feel like that from the documentary, the a &E documentary, just so many things of just, like, no, we don't want that. No, we don't care that this person was assaulted. We don't care, you know, just as whatever way we can just keep it quiet, ship that person off, not have them talk. Um and I also thought what was so interesting about your situation and, and some of the other women is that you always thought, like I thought sitting at home when you see like a, you know, Jenny McCarthy mm -hmm. or anybody um, of like, oh, my God, it's such a great stepping stone. Yeah, absolutely. Such a great stepping stone, such a, you know, like to do other things. Mm -hmm. But like anything, sometimes in certain businesses, if you're like you're too good at your job, we don't want you to fly off. So the fact that yeah. he like liked having you as, you know, around and his girlfriend, whatever, mm -hmm. he wouldn't really he wouldn't. I mean, then you got the TV show. But like, I think with other women that he was with, that she would they would think like, oh, my God, I finally I got an agent and I'm actually going out for a part. And then all of a sudden, like then the girl would get a call that, oh, actually, that was cast. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, well, at least I have an agent. You'll be sending me out again and then never sends her out again because Hugh picked up the phone and was like, no, she's not going to be on Three's Company. Yeah. Like, no way or whatever. She's mm -hmm. my girlfriend. What the hell are you doing? If you ever want to come back to the mansion, you better not poach any of my girls without going through me first. If it's one I don't care about, great. Have her be the star. Let her, you know, but mm -hmm. if it's somebody I want in my realm i don't know that i want them to be a big star and leave me yeah when we were on the show we weren't allowed to have outside agents or management or anything like that or if we would get offers to do certain things like they would say no you know i remember bridget got like some offer to host at a club in vegas for a lot of money and they told her she couldn't do it and stuff like that that's such a pain because wasn't that just the best easiest gig ever yeah 100 percent yeah I remember when that was like such a big deal with like you girls and like the Kardashians and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, at the time I was doing stand up and I was like, will I ever get to a place where I can just be like, what? It's my birthday. No, like, it was so easy. You would literally show up for an hour and get paid so much money. <laughs> like how much? Like 20000 Yeah, easily. And for like a New Year's Eve, like 75000 or up. And when you would get these opportunities, did you know like, hey. This could be the start of something or this could like be the end. I better take my money when I can. What was your like attitude about it? like where did you, where was your what did you think like the future would be when you were getting these 
lucrative things? Well, I wasn't really getting any offers coming to me when I was at the mansion. Like I had no agent or anything like that where that could come through. But when I left the mansion, I was just like in survival mode, like hit the ground running. Like I need to have a career yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, I did a pretty good job with that. But like I realized like when I decided to leave the mansion, I didn't necessarily think that there would be anything waiting for me or that anything would be easy. So when you when you left the mansion and then you pretty much got your show Mm -hmm. about Vegas and was did they did they come and go, hey, we're going to build a show around you and the opportunity we have for you is this show in Vegas? Or did you have or did the Vegas people come and say, we want you? What was the name of your your peep show, the peep show, like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like what? I got the show on my own in Vegas. And then I was trying to shop a reality show of my own around. But then comes to find out the contract I had to sign when I was on Girls Next Door said that if E were to pick up the show with me, it had to be produced by the same producer that did Girls Next Door. So there was always still kind of that connection because he was very close friends with Hef. But that was the only producer I could use if E wanted to pick up the show. But the show was my idea. Like, I pitched it and everything. And he did pick it Mm -hmm. up. And what was that like doing, like, a live show like that all the time? Was it exhausting? Did you love it? It was was so fun. I mean, it was very exhausting because to make a show of that size work, you kind of have to be there, like, six days a week, five days a week, depending on what time of year it was. Um, There were only certain times a year I could take, like, a week off, like, Never in the summer. You had to like max out the busy seasons, but it was so much fun. It was exactly what I wanted to do. It was kind of like the last show of its kind in Vegas. And it was really fun. And when you think about like, what are your thoughts? Because I'm just thinking about it now. Like uh, the the years that Britney worked Mm -hmm. as the lead of a show, like how exhausting that is. And now, you know, with what's going on with her and what she tries to reveal of like, I never got to have coffee. I never got to go to the spa. Like, did you have any relations with her? Because weren't you both at Planet Hollywood? Yeah, but she started right after I quit. So I did go see her show, but we weren't like living there at the same time or anything. And when all that was, did you have any idea? Like, we knew she was in a conservative ship, but I don't Mm -hmm. think we had any idea that it was so, I don't know, that she was so being seen as a workhorse that maybe didn't want to work that hard. I think that's like the biggest thing for me is like, yeah, I think when she was doing it, I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. You know, good for her. She can stay in one place. How yeah. easy must that be? And it breaks my heart that that wasn't fun for her because it was so much fun for me when I had a show like that. Yeah. And I went to see her show and, you know, her music and everything. It brings so many people so much joy. I had a blast and it just breaks my heart that she wasn't allowed to like feel that or have fun for herself. I know. And I really wonder like, when people are, what now? And I'm like, I, I really don't know yeah. that she's ever going to really perform because I don't know that she'll ever really, not that she won't be capable, but like, because I think she'd be capable if she wanted it. I mm-hmm. just don't know that she'll ever want to work that hard because she feels yeah. so. stunned her whole life. Like, yeah, felt so yeah. like abused by it mm-hmm. of like just every day, every day doing it. And then like, so I think we feel like, what's she doing? And she's like, you know, I'm like, you know what? This this might just be it for her. Let her live. Like, you know? it might, it might <laughs> she, just... she deserves to just like romp in the valley. Yeah. I mean, I do. listen, I'm very involved in trying to figure out what really yeah. is it. And then at the other hand, I'm like, if you, you know, I, I follow her. I see like 
she still has so many followers, but I mm-hmm. see like once in a while I'll chuckle, like, oh, she lost a hundred thousand. Yeah. Some people are just like, mm, I don't know if I feel right about this, whatever, you yeah. know. Um, but I'm it also feels just voyeuristic like, watching yeah. Instagram, even though obviously she knows she's putting it out there. Whoever is on her Instagram putting it out there. But yeah, something about it feels voyeuristic. Like I follow her, but sometimes I see stuff on my feed and I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes every once in a while you'll see a post and you feel like, oh, I feel like I shouldn't be seeing that for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. I just have that feeling. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, do you think it'll ever be like another type of Playboy situation? Because the magazine now has been gone for how yeah. many years? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I'm so confused on what happened. To the, what happened because to the magazine? The, the I know magazine they don't print happened, it. Then the boys took over. His son took over for like a minute, and, and now it's it, like nobody from the family's involved. I think. And then it, at one point, I felt like it was like Playboy, but it was like not as nude or something for a minute. For a while, they didn't have nudity, and then they went back to nudity, and then I think the magazine stopped, and now it's like OnlyFans. I'm kind of confused, though. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, but like there really is yeah. no more Playboy. Yeah. I mean, as far as another situation like that, do you mean like Hef's personal life, or do you mean like the I mean, magazine? I kind of mean like, I just, I, I kind of think there really won't be. I think what's interesting about you know, like, I guess nude modeling mm-hmm. in general, it's like what's good is what's good is that it's really in the hands now of, of the creators of the yeah. creators. And that's so much better because, mm-hmm. you know, especially in watching the show and that, you know, they would take all these test shots. Yeah. And then later on. Ten years later, the girl finds out the test shots are being made into a poster and she's mm-hmm. not getting a dime. And but, you you know, while she's getting her hot rollers in, OK, sign this. And of yeah. course, like you're getting a thousand for the day. You're not having an attorney, you know, for fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Look at it like who the hell is. And if you did, if you probably asked any questions, they'd probably be like, this is the last time we're using you. You're not really very cooperative and happy to be here. So. You know, what's so crazy to me. I think about the women who chose to pose in the 70s. And back then, it's like you're posing for this magazine. It's like the best of that kind of magazine. It's out for one month. If anybody wants to see the nudes after that, they've got to go to what a library in the adult section. I don't know. They never knew what the Internet was going to be or that their nudes would be so accessible to anyone for the rest of their lives. Like that blows my mind. Yeah. And I remember during it, there was some Twitter back and forth with... um, Hef's flying monkeys. Oh, wait, what's the flying (laughs) flying monkeys is a term for like a narcissistic abuser. Like his cronies and his followers will like come after you and attack you. Yeah. Oh, and they were coming after you. (laughs) Oh, I mean, that's always been a thing. Yeah. But I'm sure probably coming after everybody else who spoke out, too. Yeah. So Chris with Crystal. Crystal then said, I found all these. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a different thing. I thought you were talking about her other. I destroyed them. Um, Have you had any contact with her? Yeah, we've touched base over Instagram a little bit. We haven't had any like deep conversations. No, but like I thanked her for that and everything. I don't know where his actual scrapbooks stand. Like I, I really don't know. I didn't ask what picture she's referring to because he had like you would go up to the third level in the house and he would have a room that was just the floor like 
a room this size, the floor would be covered with just prints and pictures. So she might have meant those. She might have been like, yuck, what am I looking at? Throw those in the dumpster. I, I don't know if she meant like the scrapbooks because he, he would keep a scrapbook of every night when he was out with these women. And there would be women who were just coming out to test for Playmate that maybe didn't get the job or he never saw again with like nudes and all these like compromising photos. And, and what kind of photo was it like a Polaroid? What the hell was it? Like a disposable camera. And so like, yeah, so you could have just been some girl that got wasted one mm-hmm. night and was like, that was fucking wackadoo. I'm leaving. Yeah, never and got anything out of it. Yeah. But then who knows, years later, somebody could be accessing his scrapbooks and you've got the girl's first and last name and some weird picture that she doesn't remember taking. It's creepy. Yeah. So what what else is going on with you? I you have two, two kids. kids. They're amazing. So just kind of trying to balance that. Just any work stuff and like mom and I... You know, when I'm in one mode, I'm completely in mom mode. And then when I'm more in work mode, I'm completely in work mode. So I kind of feel like I'm two different people. But that's and fun. <laughs> what is with your dating life? I have a Anything. boyfriend. I've had a boyfriend for three years. Yeah. Oh, did we talk about this last time? Who's your Maybe. Bo- I think you were like very secretive. Are you still very secretive? Kind of. Okay. Like we're not like, I mean, I've been in enough cheesy ass public relationships to just not <laughs> want to do that. Oh, yeah. Didn't you date the magician? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So wait, so this boyfriend that you've had for three years, so you kind of keep this a little bit private. Um, and is is it hard? Like, so you don't talk about your relationship or anything on your podcast or anything like that? Not really. Like, sometimes something casual will come up if Bridget and I are talking about our week and I'll be like, oh, me and my boyfriend went and did this. Like, casual stuff. Yeah. But I don't go into, like, I don't know, deeper issues. Because she's been, and she's been with her guy forever. Yeah, she's been engaged for a long time. Yeah. And so with the show... Now that you've like really kind of covered stuff, like Mm -hmm. what's going on now in like, what are you covering now in the podcast that that is keeping you guys interested in talking still and everything? Well, every episode brings up something totally different. Like I started to review episodes on my YouTube and I was surprised how every episode kind of brought up a different relevant topic. So it just depends on what that episode brings up like the next episode we're going to talk about is the first time we ever posed nude for the magazine so there's that and there's the fact that we thought we were going to be blurred was that the three of you guys together i kind of remember that yeah Mm -hmm. and i mean that's another thing too is like he would only let us pose together like in the end we got to do some stuff by ourselves but that always felt kind of weird like it was almost like he was telling us we weren't equal to like one playmate it's like we're only good the picture's only worth it if we're all together or something. So that kind of felt a little weird. Yeah, like the fact that you guys were part of the show was almost like you would think that you would be at the, you know, yes, you'd all be like Playmate of the Year. And yes, you'd all be like, yeah, but you instead would it was like the opposite. <laughs> yeah, because I think he still kind of wanted to keep us in our place. Yeah. Because for the first pictorial, the studio had us shoot like individual sets that kind of like expressed our personalities a little bit and then together. But of course, he never used like the individual pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And and then there's other things that came up in that episode, like Bridget asked the cameras to go away so she could have like a private discussion with Hef. And they did. The cameras exited. But because she was still mic'd up, they used her audio anyway and just put it over like other footage of like the back of her head without her permission. So she thought she was having this private conversation. It's just like every episode is something. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun to get into. Yeah. Yeah. That's great that you're just like going through it and everyone's like loving it. Well, I'm so excited you came back. I'm excited for this. Thanks for having me for this. And I mean, hopefully, you know, there'll be other like genres of stuff that you can 
cover yeah. and get into. And like, you know, because I just think there's always just something so fascinating. I think it it, it does get us. It is a juicier story mm-hmm. when the girl is glamorous and was putting herself out there. Yeah. You know, whether it was Playboy or something else. And like it would get more press and Mm -hmm. we are more intrigued by it because there's like these other elements of Hollywood and and whatnot and what could have been. And like, you know, if she wasn't pursuing entertainment, you know, would she have put herself in this vulnerable position? Probably not. If she was just like working at, you know, working at some normal job, she wouldn't be like, sure, I'll come at you know, out in the woods to do this shoot by myself, you know, like every little thing, you're just like, the jobs are so few far in between mm-hmm. that you put yourself in this like, yeah, yeah, I'm so fascinated with any like Hollywood related true crime stuff. Like, yeah, it's so fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad. So this Playboy Murders, it's on the ID network. It starts Monday 23rd, the 23rd. So it's every week. Yeah. For and six it, weeks. It's for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Girls Next Level, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Yeah, anywhere you listen to podcasts, it's every Monday. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. for coming. You look Thanks. beautiful Thank as you always. So much. <laughs>